It's time for You Better You Bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat filling in for Nick Costos and Ken Barkley. Hour number three with you guys until 7 o'clock Eastern time. We're with you right now on stadiums. Make sure you go to watch Stadium. We'll be there for the next hour. Rick Camp will join us coming up about 5.20 Eastern time. We're going to talk some NBA with Rick. We're also on twitch.tv slash BeckQL and YouTube. If you search Odyssey Sports, you can find Ryan and I there as well. We'll be back here with you tomorrow on You Better You Bet as well. And then Nick and Ken wrap up the week on Thursday and Friday. But Ryan, before we move on to Bills and Steelers, any uh, last thoughts here on Dolphins and Chiefs? It doesn't look like there are any props right now. For any Dolphins players, just because of the Mostert-Waddle injury, right? And obviously, those guys affecting other players on the team. There are some Chiefs props right now. Like, does this feel like a Pacheco game to you? Yeah. Are, the, are the Chiefs just going to kind of want to run the ball, lean on their defense, like let Miami make the mistakes in a cold-weather game like this? Pacheco game, for sure. Uh, maybe even a Kelsey game. I like Rice. I mean, you know, that's the problem for Kansas City. They never really figured out who their number one wide receiver is. I guess it would be Rice. What I'm going to look at will be uh, Patrick Mahomes' rushing yards, and I hope we get a soft number. I think he's going to use his legs a little bit in this game with the colder temperatures, and we see that every year in the playoffs. Even when he had the high ankle sprain last year, I uh, was able to scramble a little bit. And, uh, you know, anything over a field goal, I planned on betting Miami. We're sitting there right now at four. I might I might grab that tonight. You know, I, I expect Waddle to go out there and play. We know Tyreek's dealing with the injury, but he's going to be out there. And I think both running backs will be out there. My issue is the defensive side of the ball for Miami. I mean, those injuries are huge. They don't have a healthy pass rusher right now. Do you think this keeps climbing? Do we see a four and a half? Does this even go to five? Or do you think this is this is the, the high point? Right I think here? this is the high point, but I could be wrong here. Like, I didn't expect to get to four today. I did expect to get to four. I didn't think we would see it here on Tuesday. I mean, maybe this does continue to climb, depending what the injury report looks True. like. But once, yeah. you know, once Waddle's announced in, if he's going to go in this game, it might come back down a little bit. I could see Miami taking some money at four, but I wouldn't expect it to get to, like, Obviously, I don't think we get to six or anything like that, right? No, no. So four might be my buy spot here for Miami in this game. Could you imagine if this gets to six? I mean, this game opened at one and a half. So again, like six, this might be my biggest play of the weekend in Miami. I mean, remember, we did this with Miami last year. They were beat to hell in that playoff game. And I know they were huge dogs. They were double digit dogs and they were on their third string quarterback, but they played tough. They could have won that game outright. I like Mike McDaniel. I like Fangio. I like this defense. And the good thing is you do have a full week to prepare. And it's not like this is Kansas City with Tyreek and, you know, all those weapons. But, um, yeah, it's I hate betting against Kansas City at home. But four points? Yeah, I like Miami here. All right, very nice. So that's the Saturday night game on Peacock, Chiefs and the Dolphins. Then on Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern time, we kick things off with the Steelers and the Bills. Buffalo's favored by 10 Open nine and a half, quickly went up to 10. And then the total has gone up a point today from 35 and a half to 36 and a half. This one's tough, right? It is Because tough. I have a lot of Bills futures. I feel like everybody has Bills futures. And uh, they get the job done against Miami, obviously. And on paper, this should be an easy spot. This game's at home. The total's so, so low at 36 and a half. Obviously, that's because of weather. That's because of what the Steelers do on the offensive side of the ball. Do you fully trust Mason Rudolph now uh, to go on the road against this Bills defense, this Bills pass rush. I just never really know what to expect from Buffalo, right? Like these futures, this hasn't been very fun uh, the last couple weeks. Uh, One week you feel great about this team. 
I just now we're asking them to win by margin. I bet them as big favorites against New England. That was two weeks ago, uh, New Year's Eve, and they didn't cover the number. They won that game by six. Like I like the defense. I like the run defense. They're 11th best in the NFL, but they've also played the easiest schedule of opposing run defense, uh, run rush offenses. Yep. And then when they've stepped up in class, they played Miami obviously twice in division. They played Dallas and they played Philadelphia, who could run the ball. And in those games, 46% success rate. And Najee Harris, the last three games, has been a monster yes, for Pittsburgh. I was just going to talk you know what I mean? about this. Yep. Like, Pittsburgh coming into the season, um, I really liked them offensively what I saw in the preseason because it was Kenny Pickett. They were pushing the ball down the field, a lot of George Pickens. And then um, they went back to being the Steelers. But the last three weeks, man, with that run game, if they're able to run the ball, I think they could hang within 10 points here. I completely agree. I was looking at Najee uh, Harris rushing attempts. I think that's one of my favorite props this week. Over 14 and a half at minus 120. The last three weeks that Mason Rudolph has started 19 carries against the Bengals, 27 against the Seahawks, 26 against the Ravens. The Steelers said, you know what? We are taking the air out of the football. Yeah. We are running the ball. We are leaning on our defense and we are going to win games. Ugly, although they have scored 30 against Seattle and 34 against the Bengals. So actually the product of them running the ball has resulted in them scoring more points. And then we know it was terrible weather in Baltimore this past weekend. So Najee's been getting a lot of carries. Ryan, before that three-game stretch, the most carries he had had all year was 19. And that came all the way back in week three against Las Vegas. Other than that... Most weeks, Najee's getting like 12, 14, 15 carries a week. So they are are clearly leaning on him a little bit. I uh, I like Najee over carries this week, man. I think that's that's the game plan for the Steelers. I tell you, I also like the first half under a lot at 17 and a half. We're getting the key number there. I just see this being like a 10-3 game at halftime. Maybe it's something like, you know, 13 to 3 or somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. I really don't think Pittsburgh is going to find that much success. I, I think it's going to be a slow start for Buffalo. Too. My concern with the total, especially being so low, 36 and a half, I could see like Buffalo winning this game like 42-0 or like 42 to 3. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could see them like it's playoff time now. Josh Allen's coming off. I guess like a little bit of a stinker in that game. I mean, the special teams. Uh, touchdown helps, and then he was pretty solid in the fourth quarter, but the turnovers are ridiculous. But, I mean, if Buffalo gets their stuff right, I mean, they could hang 40 because the Steelers, I mean, we like the Steelers defensively with T.J. Watt. With T.J. Watt healthy, and they're able to get any sort of pass rush, they're a top-10 pass defense, but when he's off the field, like, they're one of the bottom defenses in the league. Are they going to be able to have a good enough scheme without him to keep this game close? They're 9-2 and in one-score games this year. But they're minus 20 in point differential, which is 12th lowest in the NFL. They're just such a weird team. Yeah. Um, that it's kind of scary. But like I lean them at 10. I'm going to stay away from the total, but I'd, I, I'm with you on the first half. I would probably lean under. And then I like the Najee Harris rushing attempts. I was actually calling for more Jalen Warren, but the last three weeks, 72 carries, 312 yards, and they're number two in success rate running the ball. So that's probably the path to success, or at least keeping this game close for the Steelers. So I like the rushing attempts. And I guess if I had to go under, I would go first half under rather than full game. Does it does it worry you if you're back in the Steelers too that TJ Watt's going to be out? Like yeah. we all know the splits of when Watt plays and when he doesn't, um, and they're going to have a rookie starting in his place. So does that does that concern you at all, even with a big number? Yeah, I mean, like you know what I mean. Even if it's a half a point, one point to the market, TJ Watt for me is a, is worth a lot more just because the Steelers defense. I think is a little bit overrated. Love TJ Watt, but I mean, he's pretty damn important because yeah. they have to get pressure. If they don't get pressure and you have Josh Allen just able to sit in the pocket clean all game long, mm-hmm. he's probably going to pick them apart. 
And like, let's also talk about Buffalo. Um, they're not really an explosive team anymore. Like 22nd in explosive passes. It's more the run game now. You know, heavier sets, especially now that Dawson Knox is back. And that's why they drafted Kincaid. They could run the two tight end stuff. Because they, they really, you want to talk about like figuring out, I know Kansas City hasn't figured out who their number one is, but Buffalo, we know Diggs is the number one. Um, but they can't figure out who the number two guy is. Gabe Davis just got hurt uh, once again, didn't finish the game against the Dolphins. So I think they might look to run the ball here a lot as well. Um, but yeah, that'd be the that'd be the injury that would scare me for the Steelers if I was going to back them at 10. No TJ Watt. I mean, I know it's not worth a whole lot to the market, but it's it's worth a lot to the matchup, I think. Something I like looking at in a game like this where you don't really know if you want to attack the spread, but you feel good about Buffalo winning the game because they're obviously 10-point favorites. Josh Allen to score and the Bills to win is plus 120. James Cook to score and the Bills to win is plus 180. So maybe that's a market. If you feel good about a Bills anytime touchdown score and you think they're going to win the game, just any Bills player that you take and the Bills to win is going to get you a plus money bet. So I kind of like that. Is it fool's gold to bet Josh Allen to throw an interception because it's only at minus 120. I could see him playing a clean game here, actually. Could you? Especially without TJ Watt. Mm. Yeah, I think they might like limit the down-the-field stuff. Right. Right, and you stick with the run game here because there's going to be weather. It's a game where there's already a low total. I think he uses his legs a little bit more. I bet him to score a touchdown thinking they were going to try to wipe OJ's name off the record books. Right. And he was going to get in the end zone in the last game, and he didn't. But I would probably look at maybe some rushing attempts, rushing yards, um, I think they're going to want to run the ball here. Might be a big cook game, although I said that last week and it was not a big cook game. It could be a big cook game. I'm wondering if the game script in this game is going to be similar to what we saw in Michigan, Washington last night. Loved McCarthy under passing attempts and I liked Penix over just because you figured Michigan would get up early. They're going to lean on their run game, right? Limit the mistakes from JJ. Penix and Washington, obviously, they're going to want to throw the football and they're trailing. I know we were talking about Najee Harris over rushing attempts because that's going to be the Steelers game plan early. But man, if the bills get up, I mean, the Steelers are going to have to throw the ball, right? So you wonder if then Rudolph, uh, like passing yards becomes a a way to attack it. Or if you go over the attempts and also do do you go Josh Allen under passing attempts, he had 38 passing attempts against Miami, uh, but they were trailing, you know, for much of that game. In the games against New England, Dallas, and the Chargers the weeks before that, Allen threw the ball 30 or fewer times. So he only threw the ball 15 times against Dallas, right? So to your point, if Cook is running the ball well and they lean on that, like Josh might not throw the ball that much. Right, and his passing attempts right now over at BetMGM, it's juiced to the under minus 120, but 30 and a half. Yeah, I'd probably lean under, thinking they're going to use more James Cook. Like James Cook's rushing attempts in this game is 14 and a half. His rushing yards right now, 61 and a half, minus 120 to the over. Yeah, I think they're going to probably want to keep the ball on the ground here. Uh, get out of this game healthy, because they've also had some injuries as well. Like on the yeah. defensive side of the ball, I want to see what's up with Rasul Douglas, because the other guy I was maybe thinking about coming into this matchup, George Pickens' receptions are three and a half, and it's plus money to the over. George Pickens didn't even, I don't even know that he had a target last week. He didn't have a catch, yet he had like over 18 and a half uh, mentions on the broadcast. They just kept showing him and showing him and showing him and giving him credit. Maybe they look to get him involved. I don't know, man, with Mason Rudolph in this game. I don't know either. You know what I mean? Like, even if they go down like two scores in this game, I don't think you're dropping Mason Rudolph back 35, 40 times. That's not the path to success. They'd probably have to stick with the run game. 
So maybe uh, Najee Harris over 14 and a half rushing attempts is what you do and you just stay away from I think that's a good call. I'm with you. I don't want to take any receivers on either side. Gabe Davis, as we know, is so hit or miss and he's banged up to begin with. Stefan Diggs, it's just, I mean, there's an issue going on with him. His props are down to 61 and a half. Pickens, I think if you want to bet Pickens, I wouldn't look at the receiving yards at 40 and a half. I would look at the longest reception for him at 19 and a half. Because if Pickens is going to catch passes, I mean, they're going to be big plays, right? So Deontay Johnson is more the reception receiving yards guy. Pickens is the big play guy. So I would go longest reception more so with him. Um, But yeah, I think that's an interesting angle. I just keep going back to that Josh Allen interception minus 120. Ryan, he's throwing a pick in every game this season, but three. He just can't get out of it. Like, he I has mean, to do crazy, it every week, But it's too, only right? minus 120. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's what I love and that's hate about watching Josh Allen, though. Like, he's got a lot of, like, the old, like, gunslinger, like, Brett Favre, oh, where, yeah. like, you got something wide open underneath, but he's got to take that deep he shot. Does. He's, yeah. he's, like, he's I mean, like, I've had Bill's futures for the last two months of the season, and it's, uh, like, one week I love him, one week I can't stand him. I know. Constantly looking for big plays. All right, so that's Steelers and Bills. Next game up on Wild Card Weekend is your Green Bay Packers traveling to Jerry World to take on the Cowboys. Dallas favored by 7.5, and, and the total is 50.5. What are your thoughts on your pack? Yeah, so at 7, I really like Dallas in this game. They're at home. We know Dallas is a much better team at home. I still have some major concerns about the Packers on the defensive side of the ball. Like They look good against Chicago. They were able to get a pass rush. They had four guys with sacks in that game. But, like, look at Joe Barry and look at the performances by opposing quarterbacks against Joe Barry. Bryce Young looked awesome against Joe Barry, right? Tommy DeVito was NFC Player of the Week against Joe Barry and the Packers defense. The next week, Baker Mayfield was the second quarterback in Lambeau Field history to have a perfect passer rating next to only Aaron Rodgers. That's Baker Mayfield and Tommy DeVito (laughs) back-to-back weeks. Now you're going against Dak Prescott. Um, a top offense. The only issue with Dallas offensively is they can't run the ball. Tony Pollard isn't an every down back, but I think that they're going to be able to take advantage of the Packers in the secondary. Uh, Jair came back last week. They'll probably match him up the majority of the time, I would guess, against CeeDee Lamb. Maybe this is a big, uh, big Brandon Cooks game. And the Packers just can't defend simple crossing routes, and they really struggle against opposing tight ends. I think Jake Ferguson has a huge game. So that's my concern is I think Dallas is going to do whatever they want offensively. It's a revenge game for Mike McCarthy going against Green Bay. Yeah. And then like the Packers, I love what they're doing offensively right now. Jordan Love looks like a top five quarterback. Aaron Jones, the last three weeks of the season has been ridiculously good. Uh, They got a bunch of young wide receivers, but it's also the youngest wide receiver room in the league. It's their first playoff game. It's on the road and it's against that defense. Are they going to be able to, that Packers offensive line, keep Jordan Love clean? Because if he's under pressure in this game from Micah Parsons and that defense, there might be a couple turnovers in this one. They're able to keep him clean. I think the Packers could have some success. So maybe I'm looking at the total over 50 and a half right here. Anything under a touchdown or at a touchdown at seven, I like Dallas. But at eight popped, now we're sitting at seven and a half. Maybe there's some value with Green Bay to at least keep this game close. I couldn't do it, though. They, uh, nothing side or total for me. Yeah. I would lean Green Bay seven and a half. Doesn't this game feel kind of similar to Thanksgiving Day game? It's the same spread. It's around the same total. And, you know, it's indoors. It's on turf. And everybody's probably going to bet Dallas and their money line parlays. But just like the Lions, they're a tough team to trust yeah. when you get their hopes up. Dallas kind of feels the same way. A lot of props that I like in this game. We'll talk about that later on. But we have Rick Camp joining us Next, NBA for 4 for 4, breaking down uh, the association with P.J. Glasser and Ryan Horvath here on You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM.
We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. PJ Glasser, Brian Horvath, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. We're filling in for Nick and Ken here on a Tuesday. We, we will be back with you tomorrow as well. We are on Stadium right now, so make sure you guys are uh, go over to WatchStadium.com. You can check us out there. We're also on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. We're on Twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube over on Odyssey Sports. Just search that. Rick Camp is uh, getting ready to join us here in moments. Got some breaking news from uh, producer Tyler. Ryan, that Tyreek Hill now has an ankle and quad injuries heading into the return to Kansas City. Uh, Joe Shad reporting on that. So Miami's injury report just continues to uh, to build and build. Well, the first thing I noticed, um, and I mean, like, obviously he's been dealing with that injury, but uh, when his house caught fire and he had to leave practice, yeah. the first thing I noted was noticed was the boot. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, all right. Miami's all beat up right now. They are. So be interesting. I agree with you. I think four is the highest we get. I think we see three and a half again before we've seen four and a half. But who knows? If that injury report continues to build for Miami, right. maybe they're even bigger and bigger dogs. Let's talk some NBA though. Rick Camp joins us here on You Better You Bet. You can follow him on Twitter at Rick Camp at Rick C Camp. Uh NBA covers them four for four. Rick, appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, it is snowing a ton in the Chicagoland area right now, so not a great night to be outside. Not a ton of great games on the slate tonight, but hey, it's gonna be anything having to do with being outside in the Chicagoland area right now. Yeah, we got some uh, some bad weather here too, Rick. In the D.C. area, it's raining all day. We got some wind. They sent out an advisory. Didn't your kid get sent home, Ryan? For uh... yeah, see, it's a lot different here, Rick. Like <laughs> last year, I came into work and everybody's like, "You're crazy," and and we were getting one inch of snow. And I was talking with with Mitch Mitch Rosen, and he's like, "Oh, you know, that's nothing," because I grew up in the Midwest and we we're getting like nine, ten, a foot of snow, you know, inches of snow. And uh, here, like one inch of snow, and nobody knows how to act. It's crazy. They like shut down the streets, and so even rain. Uh, we have like flood warnings. It's not good, Rick. Not not a good night to be out anywhere. I don't think. Well, I mean, you know, it's. I guess we grow up different in dealing with. Like, I don't know <laughs> exact numbers so far, but there's at least probably four inches on the ground where I'm looking right now, and uh, magically people can't drive, but people can't drive normally. So, right. I guess that's par for the course, but it's fine. Like, I got let out of work a little early because of the weather, so that was totally fine. So I'm sitting it's in a Mariano's to... parking lot. Happy to talk with you guys. Very nice. Well, Rick, let's talk about some of these games. I, I want to get your thoughts on Dallas and Memphis. I kind of want to lay the 8.5 with Dallas tonight. It just feels like a good spot to fade Memphis, right? I mean, you get the John Morant news, almost like a dream crusher. Like, you were so bad to start the season. He comes back. He just injects, like, this new life into Memphis and now with him out for the season, I just I think after that news, it might be a good spot to fade them. So I like Dallas tonight. Do you have any thoughts on that game, side totals, props? Yeah, I haven't bet that, but it, for me, it's Dallas or nothing in that game. Uh, you know, Memphis just struggled to score so much without uh, without John Morant. Like, I mean, there were games where they were scoring 
90 points, and Jaron Jackson's having to put up 40 of those. Actually, one of those was against Dallas. So I've thought about playing his points over. Haven't done that as of yet. But, yeah, against teams that have a really high offensive floor, it's going to be really hard to back Memphis in many of those situations just because their offensive floor is so low. And especially with Jaron Jackson Jr. being questionable as well, like, I just I can't touch Memphis in any way, shape, or form. I don't have to future-wise the rest of the year, but tonight I just want no part of him, so it's either uh, Dallas or nothing. Yeah, I want to ask you about some future markets. Uh, before we get to that, anything that you do like? We only got a five-game slate, like you said, not the best slate tonight. Anything that you do like? It's not the sexiest slate, not the sexiest plays, but I do have a few. Uh, I like Detroit's team total under. It's 114.5 right now, and with Kate Cunningham out, this offense has no floor to it. It also has no shooting. And the only thing that really worries me is if this game really gets out of hand and just the, the defense gets loose late and you maybe get a, you know, a real nasty uh, you know, over at the end for Detroit. But, I mean, they have not been good offensively. And first game back home after a long road trip. So they've been gone for over a week. So everybody gets home. They've got their stuff they have to do at home first opportunity in like a three-game home stand, so I don't like the spot for them. I also like Isaiah Hartenstein, over 13.5 rebounds and assists. Duop Reith has actually done a decent job in the middle for Portland with DeAndre Ayton out, but Hartenstein is, you know, he's a pretty mobile big, and he's getting plenty of opportunity, even with Precious Achua as a more stable backup than Taj Gibson when he was uh, in that role, but Hartenstein has really been filling up the stat sheet, and especially assist-wise, a little bit better as of late. So that's why I'm throwing the assists on there as well. The assists by itself are essentially even money on two and a half, and he's been over that pretty consistently. And with his upside on the glass, at around minus 120, I like over 13 and a half rebounds and assists. And then Nas Reed in Minnesota, over one and a half threes there in Orlando tonight with Goga Pataze in the middle. He doesn't really want to come out much. Same for Mo Wagner. So... I like the opportunity for Nas Reed to go over. He's been shooting the ball well from deep lately, consistent in that like five, six attempts range. So I like over one and a half. And if you can, I saw a uh, over two and a half at three to one. I played a partial unit on that as well. Other than, uh, I want to go back to the Eastern Conference really quick. Other than Boston, who's 28 and eight this season, they're eight and two in their last 10 games. What do you like this year in the East? I'm kind of talking myself into Philly. I, I like Orlando, but I think they're probably a year away. You obviously have Miami, but Milwaukee's struggling right now. I believe they've lost, what, four of their last five games. They just got blown out, gave up 132 points last night to the Utah Jazz. Where are you at with the Bucs just because they're struggling right now defensively? And who do you like in the East other than Boston? The Bucs are so frustrating because their offense is made for the playoffs. Yeah. Like part of the reason they've been able to outplay their point differential is because of how good they are in the clutch in those moments offensively that are going to matter in the playoffs. But they have no avenue to get better. They have no avenue to get you know anybody that can play any defense. I mean, going into your season with Malik Beasley as your defensive stopper on the perimeter, I mean, that's not you know hindsight either. Everyone was like, that, that's your plan? That's your dude? Like, he can play a role for a team, but defensive stopper has never been it. So... As much as I want to really like the Bucks, I just don't. It's I've really tried to get myself in on somebody. If I had to outside of Boston, it would be Philly. But honestly, like until I, I just need to see a little bit more from Embiid in the playoffs. And I know it's the 
the narrative everybody pushes, but yeah. with so much emphasis that's being put on, you know, sitting sitting uh, road games against good teams and not really testing for the playoffs and just trying to boost these regular season numbers, I do worry on that team a little bit. Do I think they can? Absolutely. They have the talent to, but I just really think the East is Boston and everybody else, but I also don't trust Boston that much to where, at this point, if we're looking at one of the top teams in the West that we would expect to come out of uh, versus Boston, like if it's Denver-Boston, I think it's Denver right now. But in the East, yeah, I think it's Boston, a tier, and everybody else. But at the moment, I guess I would have Philly at the top of that next tier. Rick, would you look at maybe – Ryan and I were talking about this early on in the show. Would you look at taking Indiana maybe to miss the playoffs? I mean, Halliburton's going to get reevaluated in about two weeks, so we don't know – the, the extent of the injury. But right now, you look at the logjam in the Eastern Conference, there are five teams with a record of 21 and 15. They're currently the sixth seed, and then Brooklyn right now is like five and a half games back of them, holding on to the 10 seed in the East. Obviously, this is a team that struggles on defense. They're really good on offense, and Halliburton's their best player and, and is so much a part of what they do. So how are you kind of treating Indiana, how do you handicap them moving forward, not knowing how long Halliburton's out? When we were waiting for the news on Halliburton, just from the the little bit that I read from some of the the Twitter docs out there and whatever, if this was grade two or three, I would have bet that. I think plus 240 was the best number that I saw for them to miss the playoffs. Yeah, But with it being grade one and the opportunity at it being a shorter absence, and especially, like you mentioned, how much room they have between them and the Bulls and the Nets at 9 and 10. Like, there's a lot of wiggle room if this is, let's say, two, you know, like reevaluated in two weeks, let's say it's three to four weeks. There's a lot of wiggle room there versus being reevaluated in a month and maybe it's six weeks or anything more than that. So I think there's just enough wiggle room here to where I'm not touching it yet, but if they look like they're going into straight free fall, then. I get a little bit more worried. No one's going to be Halliburton, but at least they do have guards that are really good at distributing and can do a little bit of what he does. So it's not like they have to scrap what they do completely offensively and try and reinvent themselves, a lot like Memphis had to do without John Morant. I don't think they have to do that. So I think in a shorter-term absence, Indiana can keep themselves in those top eight spots to where they at least would have those two opportunities in the play-in, and at that point, I'm not in on uh, playing their missed the playoff number, at least as of yet. Rick, you already brought up Denver. Love Denver in the West. And then you have, like, the young teams. I like Minnesota a lot. I love the Thunder. Um, but, like, out of those two, like, older teams that are just, hey, if they stay healthy, they could probably make a run. The Clippers, the Suns. Hell, I'll even throw in the Lakers, but they're a disaster right now. Which one would you buy in on right now? Clippers 5-1, to one, Suns plus 550, and then the Lakers all the way down to 14-1 to one right now. Do you like any of those teams that maybe get themselves right here? I, I think it's the Clippers, man. Love the Clippers. As much as yeah. like, yeah, dude. Like I've, I've been burned on them God knows how many times the last few years. But the thing is, like, as long, and it's just really for me as much as anything, it's Kawhi. You have to have Kawhi. So if he is able to be there with like this kind of steadying offensive presence that Paul George is, if you're able to have Kawhi Leonard do his thing and just the way the pieces fit to feel like they fit better now versus let's have a ton of talent one through 12. 
Now it seems like they've, con- they've consolidated a little. It does make a ton of sense. Not as much pressure in clutch moments on James Harden. But the thing is, too, we're going to have to see how he reacts in the clutch. Is he going to want to be the guy to feel like he can prove people wrong? Or is he willing to continue to be the distributor down the stretch in big moments and let Paul George and Kawhi Leonard be the dudes? If he is, then I think they really have a chance. But I still think it's Denver's conference to lose overall. Talking with Rick Camp here on You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Rick, the trade deadline's about a month away, and we obviously saw the Knicks make a move to go get OG. I'm wondering, is there a team right now that you look at that you're pretty confident is going to make a move uh, before the trade deadline in about a month? And, you know, do you see value on that team in the futures market that's really not getting priced in right now, but you think if they make a move, they could get significantly better? I think the Warriors are going to make a move. I don't know that it's going to make them enough better for me to ever really want to bet on them. I'm just leaving the Warriors alone at this point. It's not even really value on them to miss the playoffs right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm out on them. But I also, I'm fascinated by the Siakam market. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm not sure, because he is a little bit of an odd fit. Like if it's Atlanta, let's say whether it's a Murray swap or whatever that ends up being, if he gets in Atlanta, is Atlanta able to stabilize themselves to where they could be at least have a pulse in the play-in or something like that? Because the Nets and the Bulls are begging to be knocked out of the play-in with where they are right now. I believe Atlanta's like within a game of those teams. So they're a team that's not necessarily sexy, but I think could at least make them an in the play-in and maybe a team – you put a little bit on for a long shot of making the playoffs. Uh, and then it sure seems like the Lakers got to do something. I, I don't know that they can do enough or make a move big enough to make me really want to bet on them. DeJounte Murray's name gets brought up, but I don't necessarily think they have enough to go get DeJounte Murray. Murray's still good, and he's on a really good contract. So I don't think a Levine move would move the needle that much for them. It would help but it wouldn't move it enough considering the Lakers tax you always have to pay. So I don't know that there's a move that can really like shake up the standings completely with what's available out there and teams being so scared to take on too much money because of that second apron and how it's taking full effect next year. I think that's really limiting the market. Awesome stuff as always. Rick Camp, you can follow him on Twitter at Rick C. Camp. Covers the NBA for four for four. Rick, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, really good stuff there. He's right. That Siaka market is gonna be uh is gonna be interesting. Ryan, that's all that's, that's always something I look for in the NBA is like yeah. who's the team, right? Yeah. Like who's gonna be that team that makes move? Obviously the Suns last year when they got Durant. I yeah. mean, their odds just went crazy. Yeah. Like, is there a team that you kinda I see? think I think um like the Lakers, like Rick said, have to make a move, but like, what are they able to give up? Are you giving up D'Angelo Russell? Zach Levine, I think he's stuck in Chicago. I don't think that there's any market for Zach Levine. Yeah. But the Bulls are a better team without him on the floor. So they are. How yeah. good has Kobe White been? He's been awesome. Really I got to take back all the bad stuff I said about Kobe White. I just yeah. didn't know what he was. Is he a point guard? No, nah, I didn't either. Two, I didn't but, either. Um, all of a sudden, he's Michael Jordan, so it doesn't really matter what he is, I guess. He's been awesome. More NFL talk coming up next. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvath. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM.
on the BetQL network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL network. Wrapping up hour number three, PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, filling in for Nick and Ken, who will be back Thursday, Friday. Ryan and I will be right back here on You Better You Bet tomorrow, talking all things college hoops, NBA, and NFL once again. We're getting ready to preview some more NFL games. You can continue watching us on Stadium for the next 15 minutes or so, so make sure you go to watchstadium.com. We will still be on twitch.tv slash betql and youtube.com slash odyssey sports uh, until 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then Trista Crick, Nick Ashew will take it away on BetMGM tonight. All right, Ryan, so you gave your thoughts on Packers and Cowboys. I love this game for props. Like, I really like it. One of my favorite props of the entire wildcard weekend is the Dallas kicker, Brandon Aubrey, over one and a half field goals. Got to lay juice at minus 125. Now, you talked about Joe Barry. Yeah. I don't think Green Bay cares about this game in between the 20s. Like, they they just are going to concede yards to Dallas. They know that the Packers, they know that Dallas is going to be able to move the ball. I like CeeDee Lamb overs in this game. You talked about Ferguson. Really like that, too. I think both those guys are going to have a big game. In the playoffs, the two things that you will consistently hear people talk about turnovers and red zone who scores touchdowns and who kicks field goals green bay knows that they're going to give up yards to dallas but where the game is going to be won if they are able to keep dallas to field goals and i think that they'll be able to do that brandon albury also has a leg on him we know mccarthy will let him kick it from 60 so i i love that uh, the dude's only missed two kicks all year, and oddly enough, it came this past Sunday against Washington where one was blocked and one he doinked. Then at the end of the game, they sent him back out there, absolutely drilled a 50-yarder. So Aubrey's really good. I love his over one-and-a-half field goals in this game. Uh, I mentioned CeeDee Lamb. It's 97-and-a-half receiving yards. Like, I- I'd take it. I think he goes for 100-plus. I also really like Jordan Love. I think he's going to have a good game, 247-and-a-half. I think he's going to be able to make plays on this Dallas defense. Now, obviously, you can run on Dallas, and I think Green Bay is going to try to run a little bit with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. But as you know, Green Bay might come in with the game plan to run the ball. If it's not working, they're going to abandon it. Yeah. And I think they're going to go with uh, with Jordan Love. So I do like his overpassing yards. I really like that Aubrey prop, though, man. I think we're getting three, four field goals out of Aubrey on Sunday. Yes, yeah, see, I like, oh, man, I really like the props in this game, too. And I would love Dallas if it was at seven. And I didn't fire immediately. And at eight, at seven and a half, I can make the case for Green Bay here. But I do think that it's going to be a good game for props. The first thing I looked at uh, is what you said with Jordan Love. So you could run the ball on Dallas, but I looked at Aaron Jones rushing yards, 69 and a half, and that sounds about right. He's been a monster the last three weeks. He's won over 100 yards in all three games, Mm. uh, including against Chicago, and they had a top 10 run defense. So I still lean over on Aaron Jones, but I do think that Jordan Love's going to have to drop back in this game, especially if they go down a score or two, and his passing attempts at 34 and a half, I think there's a reason it's juice minus 125 now. So I do like the over there. And then, um, you said it, uh, CeeDee Lamb. It's juicy now. Seven and a half receptions, minus 140. 
That's why I do like Jake Ferguson as well. Don't really love the number, though. Four and a half. It is plus money, plus 115 to the over. But I agree. Joe Barry, Green Bay, they play a bunch of uh, soft zone defense, zone coverage. Tight ends kinda, always yeah, feast. They give up the underneath stuff. And then when you get in the red zone, they try to limit you to field goals. Um, the only thing is, last week against Chicago and the week before that, they did start playing a little bit of man. I just don't think that you could do that against Dallas. You know, I mean, um, they got Jair back, who's one of the better corners in the league. But Eric Stokes, who they took in the first round a couple of years ago, is not healthy right now. Yep. So I just don't know that they're going to be able to play man. And are they going to be able to get natural pressure? Dallas still has a pretty good offensive line. Are they going to be able to uh, get after Dak in this game? Because they were against Justin Fields. They sacked him, what, five times? Kenny Clark had a sack in that game. Um Wyatt had a sack in that game. Van Ness finally uh, showed up, had a sack in that game from Iowa, their first round pick. I just, I don't know that they're going to be able to play man coverage against this Dallas team. So I love the Ferguson and CeeDee Lamb props. And I agree um, with you, but we'll see. Like if they do switch it up and play man, that scares me a little bit. But I think this is a good props game. And I like the over, even at 50 and a half. Mm. Yeah, I think we're going to get some points in this one. I think we could too. You know what? I really now, you talked me into it. You were talking about Aaron Jones running the football and how he good he's been. I, I like Jordan Love over seven and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I like that too. Like, I really like that. We were talking. Yeah. I think quarterbacks rushing props are some of my favorite things to bet in, in the NFL playoffs, right? Because think about it. When you play a 17-game regular season, week four, week nine, week 13, like, you're probably going to throw the ball away, right? If you can get those two yards but know you're going to take a hit, you're probably just going to throw it away. In the playoffs, you're trying to get every yard, right? Oh, yeah. Especially a guy like Jordan Love. Getting his first taste of playoff football, I, I man, with that Dallas pass rush too, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence going up the field, nice little lane. I Ryan seven and a half, man. Really no, like, I love really like yeah, that. Th- that's a really good angle. I like the rushing yards for Jordan Love. And they've been using his legs a little bit more, mm-hmm. and in um, so especially at a short number, at a soft number right? like that, I mean, he could easily get that one carry. Yeah, I do like that. Um. And I think they'll use his legs a little bit here against that Dallas defense. They don't have any Green Bay receiving props up right now, but I do want to see how they use their tight ends in this game because they got Luke Musgrave back last week. He's been dealing with an injury, but Tucker Kraft's been pretty solid for them as well. And that's just something that you don't usually see from a Green Bay offense. Like when Aaron Rodgers was there, sure, he had Jermichael Finley for a couple of years, the corpse of Jimmy Graham for two years. Jared Cook had one good year with them, but they never really used tight ends and threw across the middle of the field. Now they're doing that. And they have multiple tight ends that could do that. Also, I want to see what some of these props look like. The Packers have a lot of solid wide receivers right now. Wicks has been really good. Like Reed, crazy. I like Romeo Reed. Dobbs has kind of been the odd man out. Yeah. Um, suffered an injury in the first quarter in the last game. Also, is Christian Watson going to play in this game? Uh, that would be a huge get back for them. A guy that could hit, uh, take the top off the defense. Because you can move the ball against Dallas. I know how good that defense is, but you could run the ball against them. You could throw across the middle against them, but it's going to come down to Jordan Love's going to have to have enough time in the pocket. But I do like the rushing yards. I mean, the number one efficient play in all of football is the quarterback scramble. And, you know, Jordan Love could use his legs. So seven and a half, that's a good number. Jaden Reed over four and a half receptions is plus 115. I'm looking at his last two, four, his last eight games. He's had at least four receptions. Yeah, he's wide receiver number one right now for Green Bay. I still can't believe that they yeah. got him for Michigan State. Really, I loved him at Michigan State, but yeah. I didn't think he was going to be this good year one. They, they use him like as like the Swiss Ar- Army Knife guy, the gadget guy, so he could get the ball on an end around if you could find like a rushing and yeah. receiving plus. Um, but yeah, even at four and a half, I would like him. But That's I want to see what these big... other numbers look like when some of these other guys are ruled in. Like Christian Watson, if he does play, probably two and a half receptions. I'd go with the receiving yards. 
for Christian Watson. That could be two catches, and he could go over that total. That's going to be a big prop game for me. I'm uh, I'm Same. looking forward to that one. Do you like Jordan Love? So, yeah, yeah, I actually just released a video on this because a lot of people give me a hard time. I hated the Jordan Love pick. I'll always admit I hated the Jordan Love pick. The reason I hated the pick was the Packers. You guys were win-now mode, and you're taking a quarterback. They won 13 games that season. It was year one, Aaron Rodgers with Matt LaFleur. And then the next two years, he wins back-to-back MVPs. But the year that they draft Jordan Love, I wanted Patrick Queen because the defensive side of the ball, they give up over, you got to remember, 300 yards on the ground to San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo threw nine passes. An NFL quarterback threw nine passes in a championship game. Mosert was the third-string running back at the time, and he went for over 200. Yeah. So I wanted Patrick Queen. Or, on the offensive side of the ball, I wanted T. Higgins because I love Devontae Adams, but you even saw it that year against Tampa Bay. They get in the red zone three straight trips, and it's Aaron Rodgers forcing the ball to Devontae Adams. Imagine if you have T. Higgins on the other side. He had 11 receiving touchdowns that year. Instead, they had... Uh, Equinemius St. Brown. We didn't even have the good St. Brown, man. Like, give me the St. Brown that catches 100 balls in Detroit every year, not EQ, and MVS, who was a disaster. So I just thought a 13-win team probably shouldn't move up in the first round for a backup quarterback, but four years later, I'm the idiot, and uh, I get called out about it all the time. Yeah, Jordan Love, the last eight weeks of the season, has been QB number one. He's got one pick. He's not turning the ball over. But if you go back, you watch him at Utah State, like, he led the country in turnovers. And that was at Utah State. Right. A lot of bad habits thrown off his back foot, but yeah. I don't know. You could have said the same thing like about Mahomes when he was at Tech, though. Sure. I mean, he could make every single throw. And uh, like right now, the biggest difference I see with Jordan Love, the first couple weeks of the season, well, against Chicago week one, he looked great. But then the game against Denver, the games against the Raiders, the primetime spots, he looked awful. And he looked like he was just like playing with no confidence. Now he's like licking his lips out there. He's got like his tongue out like he's MJ and he's playing with a ton of confidence and he's feeling himself. That's a huge thing for a young quarterback. So look, uh, I do like him. There are going to be a lot of teaser legs with Dallas this week, probably myself included. Uh, Green Bay could be the upset. You think they're live in this game? I do. I really do. Yeah, so you man. really have trust in Joe Barry. They're really, because that's the way that they win this game. You take away the football a couple times, you, you get an interception from Dak, and you limit them to field goals. Dallas leaves points on the field. Yes. Here's, the, here's what nobody's talking about. So Green Bay, a couple years ago, obviously, fires Mike McCarthy in season, something they never do, uh, and then they hire Matt LaFleur. McCarthy somehow talks himself into getting a job with Dallas by lying to Jerry Jones. Oh, I've been studying the analytics. Turns out he hasn't. Uh, but he's done a fine job this season. But if Dallas loses this game, they get home field advantage in this game. They, you can't beat them in Dallas. Does McCarthy get fired if they lose this game outright to a Packers team that won eight games this season? I and think if so. They, and if that happens, now the Packers have been res- responsible for McCarthy losing his job the last two times because they fire him, mm. and then Green Bay and Jordan Love That's beat true. him, and he loses his job. That would just I'd feel bad for the big guy. And I don't know. I think he's going to be extra motivated in this game. I I think he certainly could get fired. I mean, Jerry's even talked about it. Like, he has proven that he can win games in the regular season, but that's not how he's judged. Like, yeah. Dallas wants to go to a Super Bowl, especially with the way that the head coach market is shaping up, right? I mean, you might have Jim Harbaugh. You're going to have Brian Johnson. You got Mike Vrabel out there that's now. I mean. Like, you got some good candidates, man. So, I think if he loses this game, he absolutely could, uh, I agree, could dude, be on the Because I always seat. thought Kellen Moore was going to be that next guy if it wasn't going to be when Jason Garrett was going to be replaced. Yeah. And instead, they brought, it, they brought in McCarthy. So, yeah, like the coaching search, the coaching market, um, I don't think it's going to be hotter than it is this offseason. Because you got Ben Johnson. Like you said, now you got Vrabel. Belichick might be gone. 
Yeah, man. If they lose this game, he's out. I don't think they lose this game, though. They could lose next week. They could lose the week after that. I don't Correct. think they're losing to Green Bay. But I could make the case for Green Bay anything uh, north of a touchdown. At 7.5 or 8, I think that would be the play. But if we get back to 7, I'm hammering Dallas. And I do like the over in this game. I just I couldn't lay 7.5 with Dallas in no. a game like this. I couldn't. They've just they're, they've shown us against good teams that they just they they can keep it close. So... I'll uh, love the props in this game. Couldn't bet Dallas laying the uh, laying the points. If you want to take him in a teaser like minus one and a half and you just get beat, so be it. But I think that would be the way that I could bet Dallas on the side. All right, coming up, starting hour number four here. You better, you bet. Presented by BetMGM, Ryan and I will break down the final two wild card games. Look at Rams, Lions, Eagles, and Bucks. Both of those games, three-point spreads. We'll give our thoughts on that. We'll also look big picture. How do we see the playoffs shaking out? We'll discuss that and then give out our favorite bets of the night. During the Power Hour, PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat, filling in for Nick and Ken here. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, Hour 4 on the way next. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network.